When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. With Ian Smith on SENZ. We're in New Zealand. Good morning to you all on this uh, Monday morning, a Monday morning full of reflection, and uh, we'll add to that in the next uh, three hours. We'll speak to Jamie Wall, rugby writer, of course, uh, currently, I think, still in Fiji, but a uh, very close eye on what's going on in the All Black camp, even from there. Uh, we'll also be speaking to George Harper just after 9.30 this morning. George Harper, Jr., he's a golf presenter and commentator on course uh, at St Andrews uh, over the last uh, week or so. Uh, with all the players, gets up close and personal. Particularly, he's got a great relationship with uh, Rory McIlroy, who couldn't get the job done this morning. But Cameron Smith and Sam Pinfold, the old Anzac connection, certainly were able to do that. Uh, 10.20 this morning, we'll talk to Guy Haveld and Hamish Bidwell. There'll be some uh, fairly cutting stuff coming out of that chat, I'm sure, about to, with the direction that the uh, All Blacks are going to go um, in the next uh, few days. Uh, 11 o'clock, uh, we're going to be talking to Wayne McLaughlin, father of IndyCar driver Scott McLaughlin, who I can tell you right here and now, uh, is in ninth place with four laps to go in Toronto. Uh, the good news is, from a New Zealand point of view, is that Scott Dixon is leading by two seconds and looking like he's going to win for the fourth time on that street race in Toronto. So he loves it there. But we'll talk to Wayne McLaughlin uh, and just uh, catch up with uh, the experience of being a mum and dad over there and uh, watching your son Go around that track at breakneck speeds. Interesting. Okay, so, uh, yeah, uh, a busy show. And, of course, we need your help as well. We need you to uh, ring up. We need you, uh, after 10 o'clock, we'll ha- open the lines, particularly for that Chemist Warehouse voucher, uh, and cut loose, if you like, and text us on double eight double three with what uh, you think should happen and what do you think's wrong. I mean, uh, it was just pretty flat, wasn't it? So uh, we've got a pretty busy three hours. Let's get into it. Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, before we start putting on the old size 10.5 steel caps and lining up the all-black camp, let's acknowledge that we have just hosted a really good Irish side for the last three or so weeks. A side that after week one, we were all predicting would go home skunked without a win at all. They are well-coached, well-led, and extremely well-organised. They make very few mistakes very few poor decisions. Their game management, their clock management is very precise. If they haven't peaked too early, they could win the ultimate prize in France. Their biggest asset, as seen on Saturday night though, for me, is their passion. Every man, woman and child that witnessed the reaction to their triumph saw it in truckloads. It really mattered to them. And when Andy Farrell says straight after the game that this is the best thing, the best thing he has ever done, and he's done a bit of stuff, I can tell you, well, that pretty much sums up the whole deal for me. So why can't full houses provide the motivation and the passion and the black jerseys? Why are they so damn flat from the first whistle? They knew they had to start well. They couldn't. In fact, the All Blacks at halftime were staring down the barrel of the greatest deficit in their long and proud history. 
and to give them some credit, they looked like they were going to pull it back for an inspiring 20-minute period. They were sparked by individual brilliance from uh, Akira Yuani, Adi Savir and Will Jordan, but there is no collective at the moment about this team. It's gone missing. So what now? Cancelled press conferences and instant reviews for unacceptable performances are a poor indicators for this particular group. Time is ticking on this bomb. They lit their own fuse on Saturday night. South Africa beckons very shortly. Who will be getting the boarding passes for this excursion? Goodness me, we don't even know who will be handing them out. That was the last time the All Blacks lost a three-match series at home. Back then it was Australia, and now 2022, however, that honour belongs to Ireland, of course. The All Blacks must admit they were beaten and outclassed by a better team as we look towards what might be for the Rugby World Cup next year. Dramatically pulling the pin on their press conference yesterday, and Foster must now face New Zealand Rugby for a Please Explain meeting in the wake of the series defeat. Uh, Mark Robinson, the CEO, saying performances unacceptable, completely and utterly unacceptable. So what does that mean for Ian Foster's future? Perhaps we'll find out in the coming days. But there's plenty to ponder until that time. Joining us now uh, on the line is a great friend of the show, rugby writer Jamie Wall, still in Fiji. I hear Bulavanaka, the sun will be shining where you are, Jamie, but wherever Ian Foster is at the moment, perhaps it is not. Yes, Bulavanaka, Smithy and... um well, there's a dark cloud hanging over all the New Zealanders at this hotel. I can I can tell you that much um, because we just had to put up with uh, a weekend of being reminded, or a Sunday anyway, of being reminded by every other person in the hotel um, of just of what happened on on Saturday night. So it's been it's been a rough few days, and and I'm I'm pretty gutted about the whole thing. Really, like as a as a journalist, as a writer, you try and divorce yourself from the emotional attachment that you have. Uh, with the All Blacks in order to 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 write something impartial and 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 truthful, but then all of a sudden something like this happens and it sort of sort of snaps you back to the the how you felt about this team growing up and everything, and and it just provokes a bit of a, a bit of sadness and a bit of anger, and and I think that that's pretty reflective of the mood of the whole country right now. Like this is really bad. Like in terms of of all black history, um, this is this is going to go down as one of those years um, that's that's going to get added to the to the the bad year list. And at the moment, it's 1949 where the all blacks lost six tests, and, and 1998, which I'm sure most people listening actually remember, which was five in a row. Um, and this little period, the back end of last year and the start of this year, I mean, that's one win and, and four losses now, and and three of them to the same team that now own the All Blacks. You've got an Irish team that uh, is guys who are, who have got 
more wins against the All Blacks than that they've lost. And there's not that many people in the history of rugby that can say that. And this entire Irish team can say that. And that pisses me off. <laughs> I can sense there's a little, bit, a little bit of anger there. There's a lot of pain around the country. And I've never known it to this level, to be honest, um, Jamie. Uh, and, uh, I mean, the rugby union, uh, they can't do... Uh, nothing about this, can they? They can't just sit there. I mean, they've they've taken time out. They've cancelled the odd press conference. They've said we're going to have a, uh, a real review about this, but they cannot not do anything. They just can't sit on their hands over this one now. Absolutely, they've run out of um, excuses, and they've certainly run out of time. Um, that I think I'm thinking that you know, with the benefit benefit of hindsight. You know, that after what happened last year, they should have really read the temperature of the way people were feeling about the All Blacks. I mean, it had been a long, long time since the All Blacks had been comprehensively beaten twice in a row. And yes, I, you know, I've said this before, but there were uh, sort of circumstances leading to the All Blacks probably just petering out at the back end of that, of, of that season, which I think people understood. But I think that a marker should have been set down and said like, well... It, this series against Islanders is, is is a is a very tough start to the season, but it's one we're expecting to win. And if we don't, then we're going to have to have a have a look at some some things. And I know it sounds harsh, but that's kind of the way that the the everyone else was thinking about this. That that the the team and and the coaching staff, because I don't want to single out Foster on this. I don't want it. This is a collective effort. Um, this is a staff as well. Uh, it would probably have to have some sort of review uh, if they didn't if they didn't uh, come through with a win in the series. And I mean, like, yes, full credit to Ireland. They're a very, very good team. Very good team. Um, they've got uh, a lot of players in there that uh, would be making a World 15 right now. And they've certainly got a coach who 100% knows what he's doing. But this is the All Blacks playing at home. This this is completely different. This is the, you don't just come down here and win a test series like the the teams that have done it. You you uh, go into the history books as absolutely legendary teams. I'm not saying this this Irish team doesn't deserve deserve that, but we've just kind of witnessed mm-hmm. history in the worst possible way f- as an All Black fan, and it's unacceptable. And it's unacceptable yesterday that they couldn't even organise a press conference. I mean, if you can't even organise a press conference. How how are you going to win a World Cup? That that's what I and, and to put all of the rugby journalists in the country uh, into one room where they can all whinge with each other and and get angry about things taking so long and then have someone come in and say, oh sorry, it's been called off. Like how bad of a mismanagement is that? Because of course that just turned into another bad news story that they didn't need. So I'm I'm really mm. questioning what's going on there and how well that they can react under pressure and come up with a plan to 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 deal with uh, when things go wrong because it's kind of if that's what's happening at organizational level how can you expect the all blacks uh, to do that on the field well quite clearly uh, something something doesn't or there's something that stops motivating them to start games of rugby I mean you know to, mm. to be that flat three times in a row and then have to play catch up. Uh, they did it. They did catch up at Eden Park, but uh, they were under serious pressure, as we all know, in the second half. And from that point onwards, uh, they have not stopped being under pressure. Uh, so, what what is also lacking on the field there, or what are you sensing on the field apart from just behind the scenes? 
Well, it's actually five times in a row because you can go back to the two games they lost at the end of last year. Yeah. So perhaps the, the, the malaise that, that set in on that tour uh, hasn't uh, has stuck around and and is, is still part of, of this team's culture, unfortunately. Um, in terms of leadership, I mean, I, I'm a Sam Kane fan. I think he is he is a, a guy that the rest of the team look up to. He certainly works hard enough on the field defensively. He's the defensive captain. <clears throat> and, you know, we haven't really seen a... Uh, a, a captain that specialises on defence since, since the much maligned Ruben Thorne. So I, I feel like a lot of the criticism of Sam's on-field play uh, is unwarranted because I think he should be in the team. But one thing that you got to remember about Sam Kane is that he <clears throat> wasn't even Foster's pick to be captain anyway. Steve Hansen picked Sam Kane to be captain way back in 2015 with the proviso that he would then roll on to replace Kieran Reid when he was going to finish uh, at the end of 2019. And it was just a logical choice. So that's when Sam Kane got named and Foster got named as coach. It was just a kind of uh, rolling on of, 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 the, of the management, you, you know what I mean? And so I feel like, again, I'm, I'm somewhat sympathetic to Foster because, you know, he was in a position where he was just waiting for his job promotion and he got it, and Kane kind of went with him. And because of the connection between Kane and Foster, uh, you're, you're finding that a lot of the criticism is, is kind of falling on Kane as well. One other thing about Kane is that he is the first all-black captain in a long time, well, I mean, maybe ever, who plays for a, a team, a provincial side, or super rugby side, rather, uh, that isn't the dominant team. And so it's it's not like you associate him with winning um, every single week, uh, like you would with Richie McCaw or Kieran Reid um, <clears throat> or Sean Fitzpatrick, for example. And that season in 2020 when Gatlin took over the Chiefs and they lost nine in a row really dented his the perception of him a, as a leader and as a player. And I think it's it was just incredibly unfortunate that, that he found himself in that position. But... You touched on it in, in what you said before about how it what seems to be a team of individuals um, rather than a cohesive unit, and they're relying on the brilliance of Artie, the brilliance of Will Jordan um, that can be counted on every game, you know, and that's the sign of a team that just isn't very well coached because you're kind of falling back on, let's just give the ball to the best, the best player on the field. Whereas Ireland, if you look at the tries that they scored, I mean, they were thought out weeks in advance. You know, you had these set-piece moves that were completely designed to isolate um, the all-black uh, type five and have backs running at them. And that is just the sign, and that's the sign of a team that is well-coached because you have you have things that are clearly thought out and clearly planned and... And that's the most, the biggest difference on display. And even in the first test, even in the first test, you know, that just came down to that 10-minute period at the end of the first half and a little bit in the second half when the All Blacks just sort of did their thing where they just blast a team out of the water and the game was kind of done with. Even that came down to a bit of individual brilliance, a bit of luck when Sever Reese ran away with that, um, that loose ball <clears throat> 80 metres to score. So I think that after that, I think Andy Farrell probably got Ireland in the room and said, don't worry about it. You know, like I saw enough out of that game to know that we can win the series and instilled the belief into them that night 
that translated in, in, into what we saw on Saturday night. Jamie, are we playing the right players in the right positions? There's a bit of criticism coming through on our text line, etc. We still tend to look playing players out of position in this side. Are you convinced about um, the, the selections in that area? It's an interesting question, Smithy, because I think that if you were to ask every All Black fan, hey, name name your squad or name your team, it's not going to actually be that different to the squad and the team that got named on that's been named in the series. Um, I mean, there's obviously the usual conjecture around the loose forwards and the midfield, and I mean, I think a lot of that is just down to the fact that I mean, you have to go back years for when the All Blacks had a solid midfield, and the fact that it's just been a revolving door in that in that space, and perhaps the thinking around it being that because it is a physical position, because it is a um, uh, a position where you have to do a lot of uh, tackling and, and running, and you're going to come off a bit more banged up than the rest of the backs. That it, it's like playing prop that you can you can just swap guys in and out. That sort of thinking uh, is clearly not working because it's just meant that you've got a bunch of guys that haven't had the right amount of cohesion built um, through their through their game and through their partnership in the All Blacks. And I mean, to be fair, there have been a lot of injuries in that in that um, in the midfield over the last few years. So that's made it hard to kind of build any cohesion as well. But I mean, I can't really fault. I don't really fault the selections too much. I mean, there's not, there's not too many players sitting back at home who justifiably can be quite upset about not getting picked for the All Blacks. I mean, the only one I can really think of is perhaps Cullen Grace and that's off the back of a very good end to his Super Rugby um, season and due to the fact that for some reason they decided to name the All Black team a week before the final, uh, which was, uh, again, it, it just one of those things that just kind of feels like an oversight. It just kind of feels like the All Blacks, uh, considering themselves to be far more important than anything else, even though it was the week of a Super Final. And this is another thing that really pissed me off as well that week, about how you have a Super Rugby final between the Blues and the Crusaders. That's an incredibly important game. Um, you have a sold-out Eden Park. You have everybody's eyes or attention supposed to be on this game and build up some massive media attention for what should be you know, something that can really springboard the new Super Rugby Pacific into people's consciousness. And New Zealand Rugby decided to name the All Blacks that week and suck up all the attention on a discussion about a team that wasn't going to be playing for almost another month. And that just annoyed me because it just showed the, the arrogance of the All Black setup and how they think they can just like go in and, and steal the limelight like that. And, it, you know, I asked the enforcer that, that way. He was like, do you have any thoughts on the Super Rugby final? All he could say was, I hope no one gets hurt. <laughs> and I was like, could you be more self-centered right now? I, I just, it just, that really, that really annoyed me. And it's because it's like it. It also told me like, well, aren't you aren't you concerned about the you know the wider implications of rugby in New Zealand? You know, aren't you concerned about the the importance of this game? Aren't you concerned um, or interested at least uh, in how we can make this competition benefit the All Blacks? Um, and and that just it that just said a lot um, to me. And it was at that point where I started to think, hey, maybe. Maybe the All Blacks aren't going to win the series.
Jamie, um, just finally, if he does go, if Foster goes and uh, all those coaches underneath him go as well, is there a ready-made replacement willing to come in right now and pick this up? Yeah, there is, but it's not the guy everyone wants. Um, It's, I feel as though that, you know, going back to what I said earlier about how Mm. they need to be put under review and, and everything like that, and there's sort of there had to be some sort of consequences if this series was lost, is part of the reason why Joe Schmidt was added to the the coaching lineup. Sorry, the um the management staff. And I feel like, given New Zealand rugby's propensity to uh, never admit they're wrong and and uh, you know to sort of wash their hands of any sort of blame is that he will be put into some sort of um, senior role, perhaps a director of rugby or, or something like that. So then he can do the hiring and firing uh, of coaches. And it takes the takes the the decision out of NZ Rugby's hands, so then they don't have to admit they're wrong. Um, mm. There is a chance that he could take over as coach uh, full-time. I mean, he has been part of the, obviously around the Blues and then the All Blacks themselves. Um, and then he was in charge for the... Um, All Blacks only test one the, uh, this year, so you know, like I, I guess he's got um, the credentials to do it. But um, it just seems like that would be the best company decision that they could make. And you know, again, they're not an organisation that's famous for being out for a lot of self awareness and being able to read the mood of the public. So for me, that's probably the most logical. Um, step for them Jamie Walt thank you very very much uh, for your time this morning I can hear the uh, the anger in your voice actually um, and uh, appreciate uh, your sentiments there and that feeling as well coming through as far away as uh, Fiji uh, I hope your days it gets better from this point onwards mate and we'll see you back in uh, <laughs> New Zealand at, at some point soon uh, thank you very much mate I've uh, enjoyed uh, hearing from you thanks <laughs> We're shelved, uh, then we're talking golf as well in this hour with George Harper Jr. out of St Andrews. This is the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. James Ellis, right, bowling! He's bowling! Smithy's Cricket Update, thanks to Razine, New Zealand's most trusted paint brand. The Black Caps uh, camp are currently in Belfast preparing for their three-match uh, T20 series against Ireland after sweeping the three one-day international uh, one matches against the same opposition, but they were really close-run things, the whole lot of them. Uh, the Black Caps have confirmed that uh, Central Stags keeper Dane Cleaver is set to make his international debut in the first T20 tomorrow. It uh, starts at 3am New Zealand time. The big moment comes a few months uh, later than originally expected as Cleaver was to play in the one-off T20 against the Netherlands at the end of the home summer, but that match with Napier was completely rained out without a ball being bowled. The series comes as the ICC have now confirmed the final groupings for the Men's T20 World Cup hosted in Australia for the first time from October 16th to November 13th across seven host cities. Zimbabwe have qualified for Group B by defeating the Netherlands. They'll now face Ireland, Scotland and the West Indies, Group A, Namibia, Sri Lanka, the UAE and the Netherlands competing as well. The winners and runners-up of both groups will progress to the rest of the T20 World Cup where the rest of the cricketing nations await them and that, of course, includes New Zealand. Uh, That was our uh, Smithies Cricket Update for this Monday morning brought to you by Razine. It's 9.31.
champion golfer of the year is Cameron Smith. Yes, uh, and uh, he becomes uh, the first player since Jack Nicklaus in 1978 to win the Players' Championship and the Open Championship. Uh, an incredible double for Cameron Smith, who is having one heck of a season. And alongside of him, of course, is his bag man, his caddy, Sam Pinfold, uh, a New Zealander who used to play his golf at Manor Park uh, in the Hutt Valley. Uh, of course, uh, Cameron Smith, an uh, incredible back nine, uh, featuring six birdies and uh, shooting 64 in all. It's uh, one of the great stories, and uh, one of the great storytellers uh, of golf around the world at the moment is a fellow by the name of George Harper Jr., who gets up uh, very close and personal with a lot of the players, gets on well with them all, uh, and was uh, at uh, St Andrews, of course, for the 150th edition of the Open Championship. Uh, George Harper, good evening, England time to you, and uh, for us back in New Zealand, uh, what a great watch for Cameron Smith, and uh, I guess you were pretty close to the action. Yeah, g'day, Smithy. Uh, great to hear from you again. Uh, indeed, I was. I'm very fortunate uh, to be following the golf from inside the ropes. Uh, and at one point, I thought I was going to be in the burn on the first hole. There was a, an absolute avalanche of fans jumping the fences and uh, almost falling into the creek um, on the 1st and 18th fairway. So it was pretty crazy. And, uh, yeah, really special to be there. Uh, amazing. Like Cam Smith, out of nowhere. Well, not out of nowhere, but that back nine was super impressive and and to make five birdies on a row in a row on a open championship sunday that's uh that hasn't been seen often so full credit to the young man and uh yeah sammy sammy on the bag's pretty happy 20 under um that's a hell of a number does that suggest that the uh, the wind really didn't get to become the factor that people predict on a lynx course yeah it was it was very unscottish this week uh of Left the course every day with a little bit of a burn. Uh, the tans got extremely impressive in terms of, uh, and I've never felt so sunburned. Um, we couldn't believe what the weather was offering. And today, especially, the wind was a little bit um, a little bit down. So, yeah, look, the course was in amazing condition. It was hot and fiery and so much fun to watch. But they would have liked a little bit more wind. Uh, and certainly Rory McIlroy would have enjoyed a bit more wind as well to hold back the chasing pack. Yeah, I mean, that's right. Uh, McElroy and uh, Victor Hoglan, of course, they surrendered a uh, joint four-shot lead, which uh, you would have thought uh, might be a little bit hard to overcome, uh, bearing in mind, uh, you know, barring emergencies. But uh, when you look at a back nine of 30, uh, that's what d- did the deed. Um, what about McElroy? I mean, you've spent some time with him. How disappointed will he be after this? Yeah, like I've um, I've managed to spend a lot of time with, with Rory over the last few years, and um yeah, I'm not going to lie. It was a really, really tough watch today. He's um, he's he's been a super character, and everyone loves him at the Open. And look, he didn't do a lot wrong today. He did not do a lot wrong for the majority of that round. He had this two shot lead, and I was following him shot for shot. And he looked well in control. He just didn't give himself enough looks from inside the ten foot range. Which, when you've got a two shot lead and a major on Sunday, of course you're going to play to the middle of the green. Of course you're going to play safe. Um, but it was. It was honestly like 45 minutes, all of a sudden, Cameron Smith made four birdies in a row, and he's gone bang. He's at the top of the leaderboard, and, and that sort of caught not only Rory, but everyone off guard. Um, and then all of a sudden, the last two or three holes are, are not really 
uh, overly good for birdie opportunities until 18. So, yeah, it was it was a bit of a shame. And, and uh, yeah, I saw Rory as he uh, left the media media room. And, yeah, it was pretty clear that um, he was... He was uh, extremely gutted. He just collapsed on the on the buggy and um, left the course in tears. So I uh, feel feel for the man. He he really wanted that one. Well, it's uh, it's the mullet. It's the Cameron Smith mullet, which is triumphant this year. It's been one hell of a year for him. Tell us a wee bit about this bloke, can you? I mean, he looked. You know, I watched it. The the body language. Uh, there was nothing unflappable. Uh, you know, flappable. He was just absolutely in his own. Yeah, he's the type of guy that when he's hot, he's hot, which is something you always need in the game of golf. There's a lot of golfers in the world that are really good at golf, um, but it's, you can't be consistent and shoot three under every day. You have to be able to go deep, and he can certainly do that. Um, after talking to Sam as caddy, he just doesn't change. Nothing changes. His demeanor's the same every hole. Even after five birdies in a row, he is still just blasé almost and just going along doing his thing. So... Yeah, he's um, he's a pretty cool character, and um, yeah, I was lucky enough to be in the in the locker rooms when he came in with the with the claret jug, and yeah, it was a good scene. Probably a, a few too many Australians in one room for my liking, but um, full credit to them. They they have a good they'll have a good time tonight. They will have a great time tonight. Okay, overall, the 150th edition in the face of Live Golf, uh, how did it measure up? Yeah, that was probably probably one of the positive things uh, for me personally about the week. There was certainly a few nerves um, entering the week uh, about Live Golf and how many questions would be about it because it's obviously um, reasonably topical. But the 150th was so big, so historic, it just took over. And yeah, there was barely a mention. Um, and the golf did all the talking. And the home of golf did all the talking. The, the scenery, the history, everything, it was... It was it was fairy tale. It was Disneyland for adults. Um, yeah, so I think the occasion was great, and and that's what helped me with my job this week in terms of getting all the interviews and chatting to all the players. You could see that the players were actually more excited to be there than a lot of us. So uh, yeah, it was a truly special week, and and one we'll never forget. Is it likely, George, that uh, we might have seen the last of uh, the likes of Dustin Johnson, Patrick Reed, Lee Westwood, etc., at uh, the Open Championship? How how far do you think this is going to go? Oh, it's a good question, Smithy. Like, although I'm close to the game, it's so hard to so hard to know what the protocols are going to be and how they're going to handle it. Um, there's so many rumours going around about different people jumping and different. I guess, rule changes with exemptions and stuff. But quite frankly, there's, there's too much going on for me to keep up. Um, so, yeah, I'm a little bit unsure, but uh, hopefully, hopefully, much like this week, the, the big version of the game, the big wide world of golf can keep dominating because, yeah, I think this week really showed that golf needs needs everyone to be to be a part of the same dream, the same team. So, yeah, no, it was a, it was a hell of a week. Okay, um, not quite uh, the week for Ryan Fox and uh, Ben Campbell narrowly missing the cut. Yeah, yeah, that was a little bit disappointing. Um, was was really excited about Fox's chances in particular this week. Uh, uh, seeing Sir Bob Charles over there was also really nice, so he was very excited. But uh, yeah, Foxy just sort of didn't really get going, and uh, and he'd be very disappointed with that. And and Ben Campbell as well. We were talking to him afterwards and. The way he 
he got really unlucky with the wind change and uh, and that's golf, I guess, especially Lynx golf. So he was going into the wind on the way out on the front nine and then about with six holes to go, it turned on him again. So um, if you know St Andrews well, it's not much fun as a right-hander coming into the wind on the back nine with OB and Gorse chasing you the whole way home. So, yeah, look, Benny was pretty gutted. We, we spent a lot of time with him over the last few days. And, um, yeah, it's one of those occasions where you just narrowly miss out on, on four rounds of golf in St Andrews. So he was pretty gutted. But, yeah, I feel like Foxy's, Foxy's just a matter of time, isn't he, Smithy? Like, we love watching him, and he's in a rich vein of form. So he'll be right. He'll get the job done in no time. Yep, uh, he's due a win because he's been so close knocking on the door on a couple of occasions. The other, uh, of course, uh, premature exit in, in terms of the fans was uh, the high noted one of uh, Tiger Woods. What did you make of Tiger and the emotion around that sort of thing? And uh, where do you see his body at and allowing him to play in the future? Yeah, well, oh, yeah, I've almost forgotten about that after such a busy few days. Uh, yeah, the emotions are running high. I was, um, yeah, no doubt Tiger was a really sad moment a poignant moment on 18 like watching him up close and personal I actually was doing a piece when we were commentating during the the warm-up round so we'd just be watching how they do all their preparations and I was lucky enough to to be on the 17th tee with the photographers and all of a sudden Tiger came to the back of the tee block and and teed it up about a meter in front of me and I could feel the club head speed and the wind going past my face and I and I had to ask him if I was too close and luckily I was okay but that was simply the best view in all sport I've ever had. It was almost like he whacked a driver right out of my mouth. I was so close on the road hole. Um, so I was very fortunate there with Tiger. But um, back to your point about the about the last hole and when he finished, it was truly emotional. You could sense that everyone at St Andrews felt like this would be the last time they'd see him at the golf. And, and yeah, to be honest, he looked relatively frail um, when he went into the car park as well. Like you'd see him literally lifting his legs into the car like a like an old man would. So, not overly positive signs on the Tiger front. He he um yeah he obviously shed a few tears on 18, which which says it all. But yeah, obviously really happy to be there. I've been a, a Tiger Woods fan since day dot, and uh, he's inspired me to love the game of golf. And uh, yeah, it was very special, but very sad to be there. Uh, you know, I uh, certainly had watery eyes myself. So it's about, what, uh, quarter to 11 over there at night. Uh, I won't ask you what your plans are. I would imagine you'll, you'll be part of some sort of celebration somewhere. But um, <laughs> what, 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 what's, what's next on the agenda for George Harper Jr.? Yeah, there's, there's certainly a, a few little pop-up areas around St Andrews which will, which will tickle my fancy. But it's been such a big week that um, I won't be, won't be diving in too much smithy. But I'm actually on a flight tomorrow morning to join a few few of your mates um, going off to commentate the Black Cats v Ireland in the T20 series, which is exciting. Um, and then after that, we've got the AIG Women's Open. So hopefully Lydia Coe can get the job done at another historical course in Muirfield of Scotland. So yeah, it's an exciting summer and yeah, the golf and cricket keeps on rolling. Tough life, George. Tough life. <laughs> Yeah, someone, someone's got to do it, Smithy. Uh, got to put your yeah. best foot forward, mate. Good on you, boy. Hey, thanks so much. Look after yourself. Thanks uh, so much for that re- review of the Open. I'm jealous. I'm jealous that you have had such a great time and got so close to so many people heavily involved, mate. Let's hope uh, golf stays in great shape. And uh, 
Uh, enjoy, enjoy the uh, enjoy the Irish too, because uh, and don't say you're a New Zealander at the moment uh, while you're over there, because you might cop it. Oh, things aren't going well. You're telling me. I, <laughs> yeah, I had a I had a really tough, really tough uh, Saturday with McElroy and Shane Lowry. I lost I lost a hundred quid to Shane Lowry um, with that game, and he was more than happy to take it from me. So uh, it's been, I'm pretty happy to get out of here. But yeah, all in all, it's uh, it truly has been a magical week at the home of golf and. Yeah, super proud to be a part of it. So nice to chat, Smithy. And yeah, if you've got a if you've got a spare a spare few notes floating around, I might need some help. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you need it. Okay, George Harper Junior. Thank you very much for your time this morning, and enjoy the celebration. Enjoy Ireland. We'll catch up shortly, mate. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye bye. Cheers, <laughs> George Harper Junior. Still at St Andrews, uh, having fun. Nine forty six here on SCNZ. On SCNZ. A number of texts uh, that have uh, come in. Uh, an interesting one from Sam, actually. And I, I must admit, Sam, I, I tend to agree with you on this one. Baffling decision to play Ryan Fox, who was one of the fastest players on tour, with Mark Kalkavecchia, who was never going to compete, shot 20 over and was there for uh, a good good time and a bit of a swan song, actually, being a, an older previous winner. Fox has been one of the best in Europe and deserved a better group. As an elite player, you also want to play with the elite, especially in a major. I think it's uh, an excellent point. I looked at that uh, and I thought that probably won't do him any favours at all. In fact, uh, the other guy in the group as well, um, I think was a live player as an Australian, and, and he didn't play very, very well either. So uh, sometimes you can feed off uh, other people's good play uh, when you're in a group. Certainly that wasn't the case with, uh, with Ryan Fox. He missed the cut by two shots. Uh, cheers, um, uh, a caller coming in, a text coming in. Uh, Mike, sorry for Momoru. The only point of difference I would have with the rugby reporter in Fiji is if Joe Smith got the all-black job, you could say Razor would be off overseas. Uh, the England job salary for a coach is approximately $1.5 million Australian dollars a year. Yeah, I would be thinking uh, that's quite good money. Uh, that's the thing. If they appoint a new coach and it's not Razor and uh, the new coach comes in and does a good job, uh, that could be at least five years before Razor Robertson actually gets a crack at being the all-black coach. Um, would Razor Robertson want to do it at the moment? Would he, would he want to walk into uh, this kind of setup at the moment? Uh, or is it, is it tailor-made for uh, the, the likes of a more experienced uh, international coach in Joe Smith? Uh, it'll be very interesting to see uh, exactly uh, what, what comes of this in the next few days or whether it's just uh, a last threat, uh, a last get it right or get out sort of um, meeting that they'll have or whether they just decide within the group that uh, we've only got uh, 14 or 15 months before we have a crack at this World Cup, maybe even less than that. It's time to go now, time to make that move now. Uh, and Ken agrees, Smithy Foster and his whole crew must walk immediately today, install Joe uh, Smith now, he can bring his staff and his captain, it spiralled out of control, so disappointed in them, I'd make 10 changes from the original squad. Uh, with Joe Smith Ken's, uh, that's uh, from Ken who is a noted Blues fan of course um, and uh, no one around the country is very happy with what's going on at the moment there's uh, no doubt about that and, uh, I must admit I, I do confess I, I was with some uh, former All Blacks after the game on Saturday night there was pain and a little bit of anger there was definite pain and a little bit of anger about way, the way things are trending at the moment it is uh, 9.53 here on SCNZ Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
Uh, today, the Utah Jazz to beat Denver in the Summer League Basketball, $1.65. Fognini to beat Bedini at uh, the ATP uh, Tennis Tournament in Hamburg. That's at $1.40, Fognini. And Schwartzman's to beat uh, Rusevori at $1.41. So uh, Jazz, Fognini and the Schwartzman, and that is $3.26. Incidentally, Fridays went horribly wrong. Or back to the Cowboys, they lost. The All Blacks, they lost. And Australia to beat England, they lost. Right, after uh, 10 o'clock, we're going to uh, open up the lines here on 0800 150811 and uh, get your opinion on what you saw over the weekend and what you think should happen. And that uh, is just not rugby, maybe something else. Tickled your fancy, prompted you to ring. You can see Dean already is on the phone. He's uh, He'll be first up very shortly. In the meantime... Here is uh, Aroha with the news. Thing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Talkback time with Smithy. Brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Call now for a chance to win today's $50 Chemist Warehouse voucher. 0800 150 811. Ten oh three here on SENZ, and uh, I've been I must say dreading this uh, call because uh, I've been thinking that we'd been hearing from Dean on uh, Monday since Saturday night, uh, and here he is, uh, Dino. Good morning to you with uh, some interesting observations, I would imagine. Well, first and foremost, mate, I just want to congratulate the Irish for playing rugby the way the All Blacks used to play. I think that needs to be said. Yep. Everyone has said it. I don't want to push the panic button at all, but I've got to put my hand up. And good old Pap, he was on hot. He was so on hot. So well done, Akira. You, I would have given you the start, to be fair, and said, play like that, you keep the jersey, play like the Warriors, and you're never going to get selected ever again. But I've got to, I think I've got a solution. Like Clearly, Razor gets a job on Wednesday. That, that's just got to happen. But it's talking about all these people coming in and having meetings. You don't need that. Razor, just pick his mob. And away we go. He'll make a couple of changes. I'd say Artie Savier will probably move back to seven and he'll be captain. But with a carer, I'd like to know if Buck Shelford's available to go to South Africa. Because he's not the captain, so he'll be rooming with someone. Now, I think if Buck Shelford's lying in the bed beside him, a carer's going to come out of the dressing shed spitting tacks every game he plays. Now, if he can monster people like that, that's what the Irish did to us. Look at O'Malley crying after the game, mate. That's gold. That's how much it means. The All Blacks, you know, Fitzy punching the ground. That's exactly the same as what the Irish did on Saturday night. Good on them, but we don't need to panic. The cattle are here. We got a De Groot down in Gore, and his brother's bigger than him. So instead of mucking around trying to, stamp, to turn an outstanding winger into a centre, he's made two big failures, Forster, in his regime, two massive ones. He made the wrong man captain. It should have been Sam Whitelock, but now I think it has to be Artie Savier because... Sam's getting towards the end of it, as Artie is, but he's got a bit more left in his legs. And Rico moves back to 11. Leicester for Onuku and George Goodhue will be the centres. Will Jordan will play fullback, and Geordie Barrett can play 12. It's not hard. In the forwards, it's simple. The Crusaders forward pack with De Groot and Ross up front with Tohulahu. I think it's time he got a... He's a, he's a big boy. And he cares. He walked around the Distinction Hotel in Dunedin and he's number ones and he wasn't even in the team. The others are in flip-flop jandals and hugging kids like kissing wives. No, that's not good enough. So simple, 
sweeped a lot of them aside. Razor comes in, but he's allowed to pick whoever he wants. He takes what he believes will be the 103 All Blacks to the World Cup 2023, and he'll pick the 23 that will be good enough to make the final against France. Whether we can beat them, I don't know. But he certainly won't die wondering, and they won't come out of the dressing shed. He proved it with the Crusaders. How are there 14 Blues All Blacks? That's a disgrace. There should be four of them, I reckon. Do you know, uh, one of the things, uh, and you, you make a good point about some of the selections. Uh, one of the, I think one of the uh, oddest selections of the lot, um, the most baffling one, which was probably a reflection of the overall situation at the moment, is Carl Tuanukuafe, who was actually promoted to the bench because Aidan Ross came down with a calf injury uh, late last week. But he should never have been there. He's not the future. I mean, he, he's, he's not the future. He's not even going to be part of the future. He can't be. Why was he there? I've done that before, though. Like this whole mob, 2007, Smithy, I've told you. The shit hit the fan then, and they hung on to them. They should have booted a lot of them away. They were lucky in 2011, extremely lucky. There were penalties all day in the last five minutes. 2015, yep, given that, they had them humming. They were really, really good. Hanson was a good coach. You cannot deny that. But um, the writing was on the wall way back then. The Groot, what did he do? For Tony Brown didn't play him against the Crusaders forwards, and I scratched my head. But... He plays against the Blues, him and Ainsley, two young buggers, and they destroyed Nifiaki off, off all in all of them. I don't know who they are. I don't care. They've had their day. They were great All Blacks, or good All Blacks, should I say, not great. They were good All Blacks, but their day's numbered. They did it with Lima Sapawanga. They took him to South Africa for his debut. I think it was Johannesburg. Don't quote me on that. He plays out of his skin, but come World Cup time, they take... Another Canterbury first five that could play fullback. He was quick. He was a wee skinny white guy. But why was, what was the point in taking Lima to South Africa? To prove he was good enough to tell him to stay at home. This is the rubbish we've been putting up with under Forster for too long. Too long is a really good but, rugby team in France. And I've said enough, Smithy. Someone else can have a crack. I don't want your vouchers. Don't need condoms made at my age. I'm all good. But we need a change. And Robinson can go too to... The, CEO. He appointed the clown. Get rid of him. Start again. Get Lester Rutledge in there to run the ship. It'll be right then. Cheers, mate. Okay. Good on you, Dino. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, we'll go from uh, we'll go from Dunedin. I think we'll go to Tolaga Bay and talk to Ed. Good morning to you, Ed. Oh, hey, Smitty. Well, I'm up in Auckland, Smitty. I went to um, East Tamaki's 60th uh, Rugby Jubilee on, on the weekend. Yep, good. Oh, that was good. Yeah, yeah. Had a game of had a game of rugby for the um, Presidents versus Otara Scorpions Rugby League Masters. And Brilliant. then the next day and how's we the had the, how's the dinner. How's the fitness, Ed? Oh, I've been doing a little bit of running, a bit of push ups. So I, I got a try in the game. That was all right. <laughs> Great! It sounds like your your it sounds like your your game went better than the All Blacks over the weekend. What'd you make of that, mate? Oh man, because we sat down for dinner on Saturday and the All Blacks game was on, and oh, we were losing. Oh man, uh, I think I was the only one cheering for the All Blacks because uh, there's a lot of fellas in there cheering for Ireland. 
Oh, I think oh, there's no. a lot of people wanting. Uh, uh, that's the thing, sad thing for me. I, I think um, people are wanting change that much that uh, there was, a, I think, a faction of New Zealanders that wanted us to lose because they just want change, um, and that's not good. That uh, that uh, I, I don't accept that um, in any way, shape, or form. But I think that's uh, a reflection Ed, of um, uh, of where we're at at the moment. Oh no, because man. When I, when Akira scored his try, I was like, yeah, Akira! And I was like, I heard my own voice. I was like, what are y'all thinking me up? <laughs> anyway. Yeah, mate. So, who, who comes in? Who, who, uh, if, uh, will there be changes? Do you think they'll make any changes? Or just give them a, a real harsh message? Oh, man, like I said, Smitty, they should have started a fight. Just like Queensland so did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ed, you're a character, mate. Thanks so much. Love, uh, love hearing from you, um, Michael from uh, the beautiful Tutakaka. Michael, good morning to you. Smithy, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm okay. Mate. I'm okay. It's 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 all over when you can't front to a press conference and your boss comes out and says it's unacceptable, right? Like I manage sixty staff when your boss comes out and says it's unacceptable and you can't front, that's game over in my view. But I think, like I looked at Whitelock and Retallick, and they've been great servants to New Zealand, but mate, they're too old, eh? They're out on their feet half-time. The Irish, the Irish pack ran them round the park, you know? The Irish hooks are just on fire. They have 25, 26 young guys, you know? Where you, you're not going to get another year out of these guys at all. You're not going to get another year out of these guys at the World Cup, mate. It's no, that, that is scary. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, yeah. I mean, we've got to have a complete rethink and we've got to have a. Uh, yeah, it's been mentioned this morning, no doubt, but we've got to start again, eh? You know, and, and stop putting people in the wrong positions. And, you know, it's no point living on memories with some of these. Like, hey, Massive servants of the game, but they're not going to do another World Cup, Smitty. I don't know what you think, but yeah, it's it's pretty tough, eh? Well, it, I agree, um, particularly when uh, you're looking at those guys to be um, your leaders, your givens, your two locks and white lock and uh, and Ritalik, uh God knows how uh, Brody Retallick's cheek is this morning. I would imagine that was uh, pretty badly bashed around on Saturday night. And, uh, that's interesting. So far this morning, I haven't any any uh, mention about. Uh, Wayne Barnes, the refereeing and the inconsistencies with yellow cards and things, but I'll be perfectly honest with you, I think Wayne Barnes got it right on Saturday, uh, and the referee of the previous week got it completely wrong. Barnes did the right thing. That was not a sending off offence. I mean, that's not tantamount to headbutting, kicking, biting, scratching, eye gouging, anything of that nature. Uh, it's nothing like that, and that's what red cards are for. Uh, so I think Wayne Barnes got it right at the weekend. That was yellow card at very worst. Cliff from Dunedin, good morning to you, Cliff. Morning. How are you, Smitty? You good? Good, Cliffy? Good. Hey, um, look, that first guy's caller touched on everything I was thinking. You know, the, the Irish, they were they were great. That, the Irish, that Irish pack was like the side that Willie John McBride had and, uh, back in the 70s. They were tough, raw-boned, and got stuck in. That Doris, Ryan... The other guy with a short name, like the other lock, they were, they, 
Brody Retallick has not been a great player ever since he came back from that season away. He's, he, he was a colossus before that, involved in nearly everything. Him and Whitelock used to take the ball up the middle, did everything, but they just don't do that anymore. That, that's not their game, or we just don't play like that. We don't want to keep it in the forwards. We throw it out in, out in the back line and run across the field. Hopefully someone can run a, a different angle and break the line. And they're, they're too shrewd for us for that anymore. We need to do the damage up front. And with, with our pack, it just doesn't happen. You know, taking the captain off and, and Artie took over. Papa Lee come on, did nothing. I mean, look, to me, Artie should take the, probably take the captain's band. The boy, the, oh, look, I'm a Highlander man, but, you know, I reckon that Eaton, uh, the boy Blackadder, he's, he's the next All Black captain in the future for a long time, I reckon, uh, with, with, with Razor, whoever, uh, with, a, with more Crusaders, Pack, possibly, Eaton the Greek, that guy is, is a colossal, you know, those, those Blues props, and even the Chiefs fellas, they, they're, all, they're all, all hot and cold. They just don't do the hard yards before they want to do the easy stuff. It's just hard to watch Hard to watch the way the All Blacks play. You know, I think guys like Fitzy and all those guys, Richard Lowe, all those hard-working jokers, that, that they won series. They, 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 they were immortal. Now we're losing series. You know, Fozzie, he looks like a, a possum in the, in the lights. He didn't want to talk, doesn't want to come out and, and say anything. He should fall on a blunt sword because he's been blunt the last couple of years. That's all i got to say. Cliff, thank you very much uh, for your sentiments there. I can sense that uh, you're hurting like a, a lot of the country. Uh, Brent from Hamilton. Uh, good morning to you, Brent. Uh, not a good look at the moment. No, disappointing. You know, like, you go way back in the 80s and 90s when I was a young kid, it was like, you go in there and you do the damage and it's all over. They're doing it to us now. So maybe money's a concern or taking all our kings away. You know, like, even the shield, like, you know, you you had the shield up the other day and there's no buzz anymore for the shield, you know. It's quite disappointing. It just, I don't know, it's just like, Get Foster out, try again. Go grab Canterbury, Auckland players, how we've always done it for years and years. I know I hate to say this for other people because I'm a Waikato man, I don't want to say this, but got to get them out and then go from best coaches is always Canterbury, best coaches is always Auckland, best players is always from Canterbury, best players is always from there, and then just grab all them and then just slot in the odd one like we used to do, put the odd Waikato player in, the odd, you know, and Go from there, because I'm really hurting. You know, I had a big punt, though, and I'm really gutted that they just didn't do it. Yeah, um, you're in a big uh, pool of uh, of people who feel the same way, uh, Brent. I mean, the All Blacks uh, the weekend were a buck twenty four, I think. Uh, Ireland, even after Scott Barrett was ruled out, was still paying four bucks head to head. That's incredibly good money from their point of view. Uh, it really was. Uh, finally this morning uh, John from Auckland John nice to speak to you again um, how did you look at it? Yes yeah, Smitty I'm pretty disappointed eh? like everyone you can hear it throughout New Zealand uh, I was fortunate enough to put some money on Ireland to win because I just looked mm-hmm. at their systems and how they worked as a team and you know they were all on 
and they knew where they were playing. They knew where the next truck was going to be. They knew their line-out calls. It was all in time and rhythm. It was just like a well-oiled machine. So I knew they were going to win, mate, and that was quite sad to say because, you know, we all love the All Blacks and we want to see them do well. And really disappointing, mate. And, and to me, it just points out um, the coaching differences, eh? And how far New Zealand has uh, come down in the ranks. I mean, I've said this before, mate. They're, they're playing rugby from 10 years ago when it was successful. Trying to incorporate that to now. Uh, it's not working, mate. And, um, yeah, when something's not working, you know... You, you're on to the next cab of the rank, and I guess raises it. Um, but it won't well, be a short-term we'll, we'll see. We'll see, John, if raises it. I'm not sure Razor would jump at it at the moment um, because they're just taking it over at a pretty low ebb. Um, and, um, you know, you know what, what astounded me was uh, the reaction um, of the Irish. I mean, they'd achieved history the previous week in Dunedin. I mean, there's, you know, and they'd probably done enough at that point. So a lot of people were thinking, can they back up? Well, they can back up, all right. They backed up. But the reaction when they won it, I'll never forget uh, Paul O'Connell. Now, remember, Paul O'Connell was 108 caps deep for Ireland. He's now their forwards coach. Uh, and the, uh, there was another f- uh, coach I spoke to um, at halftime who, um, his name just eludes me at the moment. It'll come back to me. At the end of the game, uh, when the coaches came down from uh, the coach's box Paul O'Connell saw this guy in the distance and they ran towards each other and this guy just jumped. He jumped into Paul O'Connell's arms. And they were, I mean, they were just over the top. I mean, even when the All Blacks are at their peak and doing well, we don't see that kind of passion. We, We just do not see that kind of passion. And when you've got a side that's playing on 100% passion like that and they get it remotely right, you're in big trouble if you can't match it. And that, I think, is the biggest issue of all. Uh, are the All Blacks feeling like playing, feeling like they want to play? Uh, that is a dangerous side of things that uh, I hope is not the case. Uh, 10.20 here on SENZ. We'll have a panel next. Yeah. Guy Havelt with us this morning, as is Hamish Bidwell, with our look back at events over the weekend and what's going to happen, particularly in the rugby world. And first of all, Guy Havelt, can you clear something up for us? We've had conflicting reports. Some say the press conference was knocked on the head uh, at a very late moment, uh, other people say it was never scheduled at all. Can you tell us the truth about that, Guy? I wouldn't have a clue, Smithy, to be honest. Uh, I have had the last week off. I noted that uh, in our bulletin last night that uh, Ian Foster said to our reporter that he had no idea it was happening, so perhaps it wasn't scheduled, uh, but I'm not too sure. But it was uh, certainly bizarre, and whether it was scheduled or not, uh, I feel like they probably should have done one yesterday in either case because there are so many questions to answer, uh, ask, answer. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of understand where Foster was coming from. He wanted to talk about the game, whatever, on Saturday. Well, if that was the case on Sunday, he should have fronted up and asked, answered all the questions that were going to be put to him about that team, that performance, the way this team is heading, his, co- his role as coach of this team, the role of the other coaches of this team, and where on earth this All Black side is heading because it is not good and it has not been good for a wee while now. Okay, Hamish Bidwell, what's, uh, what's your take on the, the reaction from the All Black camp and uh, New Zealand rugby? Uh, it's been pathetic, unprofessional, uh, short-sighted, uh, shameful, really. Um, they have to inspire confidence in the nation. They have to give Ian Foster a platform on which to be a leader. Like, he's their coach, and 
when they put out a press release yesterday, didn't have a press conference. I thought, okay, perhaps they're going to bin the guy. They haven't done that yet. They're going to have another talk fest. I don't know what there is to discuss. They've sat down and chatted, you know, at the end of every campaign. Um, they they do during the season anyway. But like the main thing was they had to try and give Foster a platform to show some authority and some leadership to to be asked hard questions, to give strong answers, to give the nation who are a bit confused at the moment something to believe in, something to inspire confidence. Okay, the guy in charge really is a leader. He really does know what he's doing. And by not having him up and not taking proper questions and by intervening on Saturday night, they sort of, they diminished the man's standing. They, they, they basically said he's not capable of uh, standing up for himself and, and, and speaking articulately and passionately about the team. And if they didn't do that, if that wasn't their motivation, if their motivation was that we don't deserve to have any answers, that we people who pay subscriptions by jerseys, by tickets, haven't got skin in the game, don't deserve answers, and that's that's even worse. So, as a way to handle a crisis or a way to handle a situation, I, I can't think of anything anything worse. Okay, uh, so uh, what what do you think is going to happen now, guy? Have you have you given it some thought as to what direction they're going to head? I, I mean, to me, cancelling that press conference, I think, was a bad sign. Um, they just wanted uh, Ian Foster out out of uh, out of everything. Uh, that's the way I initially thought of it. Yeah, I noticed a few people said that they were hiding. I think I, I'm like you. I think that this points to something happening in the background. And why wouldn't it? Um, I don't know what's going to happen. I suspect that he will stay on as coach until this two tests against South Africa over in South Africa. Let's see how those tests go. I think if he loses one, certainly if he loses both, uh, his time, I suspect, could be up. Look, something needs to change. Uh, and I think it's probably at least Ian Foster needs to, needs to go. Scott Robertson needs to come in. I think that's been a no-brainer now for a couple of years. Scott Robertson's the best coach in the country, uh, possibly the best coach in the world. Look at what he's done with the Crusaders for X amount of years now. How on earth he wasn't given that All Blacks job is just baffling. But anyway, he needs to be moved in. And one other thing that I think is, is, is needs to be discussed and looked at here is, to me, there are too many cooks in the kitchen when it comes to this All Blacks team. You've got Ian Foster as the head coach. You've got John Plumtree. You've got Scott McLeod. You've got Brad Moore. You've got Greg Feek. I believe you've still got Andrew Strawbridge. You've also got Joe, Joe Schmidt, who had a hand a little bit in this series, and in, until the series ended, you had Grant Fox as well. That's seven or eight different people all having decisions or says on, or, or, you know, um, ideas on what's happening in this All Blacks team. Now, now us three here, we can agree on some stuff. We we don't agree on other things. That's fine. But if you've got seven or eight people sitting around a table. Um, coming up with tactics, selections, the way this team plays, with eight people, you're not going to get a consensus that often. And it's going to be difficult to then come up with a strong game plan and have a team playing uh, in the way that they should be playing. So to me, that's something that needs to be looked at. Far too many people involved in this team. You've got 15 players on the field. Why do you need eight people who have a say on how they play? Uh, Far too convoluted, and I think that's part of the problem. Okay, Guy Havelt and uh, Hamish Bidwell with us this morning. Take a short break for the news. When we come back, Hamish, I'm going to ask you which direction you would take if you were given uh, the opportunity to either hire or fire. That's uh, coming up shortly in part two of the panel. The Opinions, the panel. Guy Havelt with us this morning as well as Hamish Bidwell. Now, Hamish, um, as a preempted, uh, I just wonder what direction you would take now if you were Mark Robertson or the board of New Zealand Rugby. 
I'm glad you gave me a heads up there because I would have panicked if you'd put me on the spot. Um, well, Dave Rennie, uh, Wayne Smith, Mike Cron, McBurn, they'd do a job for you. Um, you're not going to get any of those people, obviously. I mean, Steve Hansen would be amazing. You know, a guy talked before about how unworkable that many people in a room is. Well, if you have a leader, as Hansen was, someone who's ruthless and decisive, uh, <laughs> it works. Um, so what are they going to do? I don't know. I, I honestly, because they've been so pathetic all the way through and never face the reality of the situation in terms of the person they'd put in charge, and, and I, I assumed that they would just add Joe Schmidt to the group on a more formal basis and just leave it as it is. I, I, they've never really shown any stomach to do something drastic. Like The problem they've got, too, is, is, as we saw when um, Foster was appointed, was they'd alienated every available coach, or they'd disenfranchised every available coach to the point they didn't want to apply, and they were left with Ian Foster and Scott Robertson for the most sought-after job in the rugby world, surely. You know, there was no Eddie Jones, no Rusty Erasmus, no Rennie, no Joseph. None of those guys wanted to be involved. And so we've got a choice between A and B. I don't know if B and Robertson is actually a great choice. That's, that's, that's the damning thing about how badly they've managed their talent, how badly they've managed the situation, that we, we basically have two choices. Do we stay with a guy who's failing, or do we pick someone at the last minute who we're not sure about? Like, it's, it's not a great situation to be in. Mark, it's far from ideal. Um, there's no doubt about that. But I, I think uh, w- what we should do, uh, Guy, is just pay uh, a bit of credit to, to Ireland and, and the performance of the three New Zealanders. I mean, to me, four, out, four, uh, four New Zealanders had outstanding games on Saturday night. Artie Savia and then uh, Jamison Gibson-Park, uh, James Lowe, and, of course, Bundy Arkey uh, were standouts for Ireland. So, man, they've got them going in the right direction. Yeah, Artie Savia was fantastic, wasn't he? About the only one who really put his hand up. But yeah, you're right about those three as well. And you're right about Ireland. I mean, I know, I think France is is officially top of the world rankings. I, I think it's clear that Ireland's the best team in the world. Uh, they have been so good. And this is the thing, it's not that the All Blacks are losing, that, that bugs it, it bugs me, it's how they're losing. They were comprehensively, comprehensively outplayed on Saturday night. They weren't even on the field in the second half and they were blowing away by a superb Irish side. And then when Ireland got tested in that second half when the All Blacks woke up for about 15 minutes, uh, the Irish still managed to hold firm and, and hit back and, and get back to the way that they were playing in the first half and in the end, you know, win fairly comfortably again. Uh, look, yeah, they are a superb team and, and I think it would be remiss of us not to not to give them a lot of credit and, and, and deserved praise for how they won the series and there's absolutely no doubt that, that they deserve to win the series and the All Blacks deserve to be second. Um, I've got to give the Irish cricket team a bit of praise here as well, Hamish Bid. Well, I know it's not on the agenda, but uh, I just thought um, we could have lost any one of those three uh, the other day against uh, the night against them as well. So, uh, I don't know. Uh, let's hope the, 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 the rugby trend isn't at the cricket one as well. Yeah, um, look... I think any time that Tom Latham and Henry Nichols and a white ball team are up against it, I think our batting order is a bit back to front. Well, you know, not back to front, but we've got so many guys batting down that should be batting in positions where they actually affect the match. Guys like Phillips and Bracewell. Um, I think New Zealand stocks are at a bit of a low. I don't think we have the talent we have. And as I've mentioned to you several times, I don't think we have the leadership, A, at head office level from David White, and B, within the team from Gary Steer. Look, I just... I worry about that. Like they, they, they could have lost every single one of those matches. They've been bloody lucky. 
They were lucky, all right. Um, not so lucky, though, uh, this morning was uh, Cameron Smith, the Aussie, uh, with a Kiwi and Sam Pinfold on his bad guy. That's a good story. Um, and here's this kid with his horrible mullet um, who just seems to be playing great golf this year. Horrible mullet. I say it's a beautiful mullet, and I think it's only going to get oh. bigger. I think it's here to stay, judging by what he said. It's glorious. Uh, what a round. What an unbelievable back nine. That would be the best nine holes of major championship golf I've seen for some time. He was unbelievable. Rory McIlroy stood on the 10th tee with a three-shot lead. He didn't shoot a bogey the rest of the round and still got beaten by two shots. Um, McIlroy as well um, uh, only went into one bunker the entire, the entire tournament. In that bunker, he holed out from the bunker and he shot two 66s in the tournament and he still didn't win. That just tells you how good Cameron Smith was throughout this week. Uh, this week. He has been brilliant now for a couple of years, two or three years, and well and truly deserves this major, and I think he could win a couple more. He seems very um, very level-headed. Uh, as you say, Sam Pinfold is Kiwi caddy, lovely bloke, superb guy, uh, and I think they, they work very well together. So I think this could be the first of, of a handful for Cameron Smith. He's an exceptional golfer, very, very, you know, still, still relatively young in his golfing career as well. And another point, uh, this is the first time, I believe, in, in the open era anyway, that... Um, that uh, all four of, of the major winners in the calendar year have been under the age of 30. So the new guard is definitely taking over. They certainly are, um, and I, I like it, um, because uh, if uh, Liv catches on, and we do have polarising things, uh, the PGA and the, the DP Tour are going to need new superstars, uh, and these guys certainly are, are putting their names on that list, Hamish. But well, uh, it looked to be, from this far away, a really good celebration of uh, the 150th edition of the tournament, just judging by the fans alone, the scenes uh, coming down the last were amazing. Yeah, it's my favourite tournament of the year, and I think the fact that uh, it was at St Andrews for the 150th was um, just added to what's always a, a magnificent event. Um, I listen to a lot of American golf podcasts. Those people have been in raptures about being at St Andrews, the town, the atmosphere, the people, uh, the golf course itself. Um, I don't know whether it's journalism that's turned me into a miserable old bastard or whether I was always actually, but um, I have, in my heart of hearts, I really wanted Rory to win. I'm not a big fan. You know, I'm a big fanboy, but I, the way he's taken Liv on, the way he's carried the PGA Tour on his shoulders, the way he's carried himself and been so articulate and such a great ambassador for the, for the sport. Like, his best golf, when you're watching golf, is this some of the best golf you'll ever see? It's thrilling. He's a magnificent player. And I sincerely hope that he could put together four great rounds. He put on, I guess, three and a half. Couldn't quite get there, but that poor guy. I hope he's... I know he's working with a guy, Bob Rotella, who's a noted mental skills coach, and I hope Rory's able to shake this off, and I hope he's able to contend again. But but really and truly, this was his event to win, and I, I, I hope that he's able to recover and and still be a, a, a great ambassador for the game because they need him. Um, delighted for Smith, but my thoughts today were with McElroy. I, I desperately wanted him to win, and I'm, I'm disappointed that he couldn't. Okay. Hamish Bidwell uh, today was uh, with us on the panel. So was Guy Havelt. Gentlemen, thank you very much uh, for your thoughts uh, there uh, on all those uh, issues. Rugby dominating, of course, as uh, you would expect on this Monday morning after the weekend that was. It is 10.40 here on SENZ. We'll have another panel same time tomorrow morning. SCNZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. Call anytime 0800 150 811. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. 
This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Plenty of texts have come in this morning. I thank you for those. Dale says, has anyone asked Tane Randall his view on the current goings-on? People forget his reign was abysmal. The All Blacks should be innovating. Foster mustn't have much left to bring to the role. Should probably step down. Pete says Wayne Barnes can't have got it right because the decision last week was backed up by the judiciary. He took it upon himself to make a different decision. The siding commissioner doesn't come out and give that tackler and reporter three weeks. Uh, then, like uh, the headbutt decision, the process is a complete joke. I think the process is a, quite a complete joke at times. Uh, and I think, um, in my personal opinion, um, the judiciary got it wrong. The judiciary got it wrong to the extent that they punished uh, Angus Tavell. Just crazy. Uh, okay, uh, enough of that. Brian says, uh, morning Ian. Big congrats to James Lowe, who was outstanding for the Irish, not wanted by the All Blacks at the peak of his powers for the Chiefs. They are starting to look like the Warriors. Um, High Smithy Wayne Barnes made a couple of crucial calls. The main one was when Artie got penalised for coming through and picking the ball up when we had got back within the, the seven metres, uh, within seven points, sorry, but the ball was out there and the halfback was not there to secure the ball and uh, then they went on and scored a try. Uh, that was uh, just such a bad call. It took the momentum away from the All Blacks. That's uh, Kerry from Wanganui. Yeah, Kerry, I remember that incident well and uh, was discussed and discussed afterwards as well. And no one could really come to a definitive on that. Uh, perhaps some saying he just got his timing fractionally wrong. Artie Savier, but clearly the ball was uh, there. There was no halfback there. And it did tend to, to, to shake things around a wee bit. That we lost that sin binning period, I think, uh, when Porter was in the bin. 6 0 from memory. Uh, that is not a good thing. Uh, and uh, someone has come in and said, and the Crusaders are the best starters in rugby? No. So that was on the basis that Scott Robertson will get them going and, and get them coming out fresh as a daisy first up and straight after half time. Uh, that, of course, um, is a fact that the Crusaders uh, had to play catch up a lot this year, but they did. Uh, that's as simple as that. Um, Joe Battler says, uh, Ian, the All Blacks have added another building block to their DNA, complacency. Complacency? Darwin was wrong. It only took 150 years. There you go. Complacency in the ranks. Oh, I just think a lack of uh, real desire. I, I just looked a, a little bit missing to me. I, I mean, I just continue to hark back to that reaction from the Irish. I mean, they just they ran from the grandstands, the, the backup players, the uh, they were on the sideline with about three minutes to go when they knew they couldn't lose the game. And the, motion, the emotion there, the tears, etc. Oh, I've never seen that from an all-black side, even when they've won the World Cup. I've never seen that kind of uh, emotion, that desire to do something that desperately. Uh, hi, hi Smithy, I hate to say it, but uh, being super negative, but I'm sick of Grant Fox not copying any criticism. Great selector in early to mid part of his career, but the last three years have been awful. Uh, hi Smithy, will they drop any players for the South African tour? I remember the days when we lost one or two tests, they dropped someone. We've now lost four or five, too much one-off runners, very predictable. Anthony, they will make changes. They will have to make changes. Jim has uh, come in quite cleverly and said, Smithy, sadly the All Blacks need new parents as foster care is not working. Very good, Jim. Uh, morning Smithy, be interested to see if Joe Smith has, Joe Smith has a game plan to unlock what he's given Ireland to use. The rules of the game are still 50-50 for me. Does the tackler not have to let the ball carrier place the ball now? Uh, we know Smith is coming in. He will have a fresh perspective on the team. Uh, could see the team squad quite different for South Africa. I wonder if giving Foster that series with them, with him there to help is the last shot. 
Jeremy. Thanks very much, uh, everybody, for your texts this morning. Uh, we'll continue to read them out as they come in. It is uh, 10.49 here on SENZ. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. Louis Herman Watt joins us in his normal slot this morning. Uh, Louis, the vitriol <laughs> keeps coming in and the opinions keep coming in uh, about the All Blacks. Um, uh, sort of uh, differing opinions on whether the, the press conference was ever going to happen, in fact. So uh, it's a shamozzle. The whole thing's a shamozzle, mate. <laughs> yes, it is, isn't it? Um, well, it's a PR disaster regardless to be honest i mean of all days to get it wrong like that and actually just some of and i don't want to hammer and foster too hard but some of his comments after the game she didn't have the right tone i didn't think um kind of questioning whether new zealanders understood how good of a side ireland is not really what it's about it's had a, a long sample size of um, results that aren't acceptable now so i don't think deflecting was the right option anyway smithy um i'll let okay. you crack on with this yeah. yeah, racing over the weekend. Yeah, the highlights. Yeah, well, we, we, there were plenty, mate. It was a great card at Ruakaka. We were very excited for it. I mean, there were some awesome winners. Um, Pacific Dragon for Tony Pike just bounced back and showed what sort of class for a two-year-old filly she is. Just super and, and trained to the minute. So well done to the Pike Mick, uh, Nab combo that that won the two-year-old set weights and penalties. Um, the the ITM and Jib winter final there for the two-year-olds. Um, if we go through the rest of those races, the three-year-olds turn the ace. Andrew Forsman just hasn't skipped the beat without Murray Bates. Turn the ace. Craig Grills piloted him expertly, and he kicked away a lovely win there. River Run won the Stayers final. Uh, when what sort of forms River Run? And what on Cozy Asano, and again, Pikey, his team was firing. Chevron looked like it might have stolen it, but um, River Run just wound Chevron back. They took Chris Gibbs right to the last race to get a win for the local. Cake by the Ocean and uh, that was just too strong, just with the top weight, just champion work. And uh, off the letter for uh, Stephen Marsh, um, won the Sprinters Championship over the 1,400. And, man, it's a bit of an enigma, off the letter, to be honest. I've, I've backed her a few times this preparation. And, well, we had, a, I think it was uh, Kevin from Pitsadoni on double eight, double three from memory that texted us and asked about her morning of. And both Mick and me said, oh, I don't know, wouldn't be top selection, but... Marshy, you've done it, you, and McNabb again. So, um, surprise, surprise, you've got Grilsey, McNabb, Forsman, Marsh, Pike, the same old names, just too good up there at Ruakaka. And, and then Smithy Down, of course, uh, in Wellington, where we had the Wellington Hurdles and Wellington Steeplechase. Uh, it was great to see the, the, the hurdlers and the jumpers get their results. Paul Nelson with Nedwin and Karina McDougall and Sean Phelan got up in the hurdles. And in the steeplechase, here's a story for you. Gary Walsh, Irish jockey, getting the win on Tittle Tattle. And I think Tittle Tattle was a 27-start maiden going into the Wellington steeplechase. 27-start maiden And she's uh, bolted and paying $22.50. So there you go, sweet. That was the omen. That was the omen for the evening, I suppose. Louis, thanks very much for your summary there of uh, the weekend's racing. Paul Mawadi joins us um, in his uh, normal slot. Nice to have you back, Paul. 
Um, good or bad weekend uh, when the All Blacks lose like that for the TAB? Uh, usually it's a, it's a very, very good weekend. And I'm, I'm saying, yeah, it was a good week. Look, there were plenty of backers of the Irish. Don't worry about that. I think they're around 450 or 440. They got um, bet right into around, uh, last time I looked, they're around 350. Uh, with a few hours to go before kickoff, so the money came for the Irish, but there are plenty of backers of the All Blacks, plenty of backers of All Black try scorers as well, um, and so in the end, um, we came out with uh, not too bad, not too bad, uh, Smitty. But I'm having a look now. Yeah, I guess for All Black backers, uh, they're now starting to feel uh, what it's like to be a Warriors supporter. Um, and they're still around and they're still back in the Warriors uh, even though they are significant outsiders this weekend the Warriors they're uh, $3.60 outsiders against the Canberra Raiders who upset the Melbourne Storm yesterday uh, Raiders $1.28 money's still coming for the Warriors uh, though and at the line as well Warriors plus 10.5 at $1.90 they've been backed as well and don't forget uh, the World Championship Athletics at Oregon. We've got some markets up for that. Zoe Hobbs is there. Uh, she's a $151 shot to win the gold medal in the 100 metres. Paul Moati, thank you very much uh, for those uh, that look back at the weekend and uh, those odds going forward. Appreciate it. It is uh, coming up to 11 o'clock. Uh, very shortly, we'll be talking to the father of Scott McLaughlin. That's Wayne McLaughlin out of Toronto. Son finishing ninth this morning in the latest IndyCar event. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The last opportunity for Felix, he's not going to get it done, and this guy, Scott Dixon, is going to take it. Four wins at Toronto, but more significantly, history made. Win number 52, Scott Dixon is tied Mario Andretti for the second most wins in talked to us about it before but how do these words ring you have as many IndyCar wins as Mario Andretti it's amazing you know honestly to to be close to Mario you know uh, every time I'm asked these questions I'm just so thankful that we still have AJ and him in the pits you know we get to see them we get to talk to them you know it's just fantastic so it's uh, it's huge man just uh, feel so lucky to, to be a part of this group and uh, you know even the other cars that had a rough qualifying we're able to get right back up there so uh, hopefully we're kind of in the, the title hunt now Voice of Scott Dixon there answering questions uh, post-race this morning in Toronto where he managed to win for the fourth time. Uh, of course, uh, we had two Scots competing uh, from a New Zealand point of view. Scott McLaughlin was there as well. At one point, uh, Scott McLaughlin got himself up to fourth uh, and then uh, something happened um, and he ended up finishing, uh, I think, ninth. So lost a few places there in the last uh, three or four laps. But uh, we'll get uh, an update on exactly how that went, actually, because uh, on the line, I'm really excited to say we've got uh, Mr. Wayne McLaughlin, uh, father of Scott McLaughlin, uh, uh, who was uh, live from uh, Toronto. Wayne, thanks very much for your time. Hey, how you going, guys? All good. No problem. Yeah. Yeah, good. Uh, first of all, just, uh, look at that race this morning. As I said, Scott had got him up. Uh, there was a number of yellows, of course, yellow flags and delays, etc. Scott had got him up, uh, himself up to fourth and then appeared to just lose his way a wee bit. Can you tell us what happened there? I just, um, yeah, look, it was it was a great race. He was lucky to get, you know, like it's a it's a tough race. It's a it's a tight circuit. 
um, and he was going really well. Um, I think it was the fourth yellow flag, and um, he just left the door open a little bit um, and got swamped by one car and got pushed wide. So rather than cause an accident, he got he got on the outside and he lost about another four spots. So he dropped from sort of fourth to ninth in about three corners. So, um, yeah, he... <laughs> It just goes to show you how competitive this category is, you know. So, um, but he, he, you know, he had good pace and the, you know, team did a fantastic job. Um, it's just one of those things, you know. Like it's just, um, it's real competitive, man. It's just so tight, you know. Yeah, uh, I, I could see that. And then there were, there were a number of uh, incidents and close incidents as well on that, as you say, very uh, tight circuit. Tell us uh, how special it's been, uh, the time um, uh, that you've been able to spend with uh, with Scott over the last month, having been away from him for so long and watching what he's been doing from afar. How, how's the family time been? Oh, it's been, you know, it's been electric, you know, like it's just been great for Don and I. Um, we were very fortunate to have our daughter and Scott's sister here as well. Um, for indie cars because at that stage we hadn't seen each other for we hadn't been together as a family for three years so to do the indie car thing was just mind blowing unfortunately clipped the wall there but um, we moved on and you know um, just to have the experience um, to see indie car it's and until you've seen it live it's just unbelievable it's it's it's, it's so competitive it's so fast it's so tight. It's um, it's just been a, and so well, well executed. You know, the whole category is so well ex- executed. The team, um, the team have been fantastic. I, I, I say it to anyone. You know, I think Scott's in the best team in the world. Um, Penske is just you know second to none. He's got a great group of guys around him, and once again, he's built a good team with guys. He's got a you know, good camaraderie with them. So, um, and to experience that and to be welcomed and. To see America to this level, I think we've just done our sixth race. So, um, yeah, it's been exceptional. Um, something that probably never, ever forget, that's for sure. You know, never thought we, <laughs> never thought as a young fella at seven years old in the go-kart we'd ever be here. But um, <clears throat> without a doubt, you know, Toronto was probably the, the toughest track of all. It's very narrow. It's so much like Homebush in Sydney. But, no, it's been exceptional, you know. So, uh, Wayne, uh, during race on race, I mean, it's it's a, it's not just the race; it's an, it's a you know it's a, such a long event each each week, uh, each IndyCar week. Uh, how close uh, have you and Diana uh, been to Scott in, in terms of uh, access, accessibility? Um, you know, in those build-up days and and on race day, where do they put you, etc. Yeah, and no, I look at uh, Penske, Team Penske, you know, like. Roger and his guys, you know, Tim Syndrick, and they've just been so welcoming. Um, we've got a pass that gets us, we just go anywhere. We can do anything we like, basically, we're in the pits. Um, I've been standing on the um, pit wall with Kyle in the pit box, you know, in the, in the um, what we call, you know, the, the heart of the thing, um, with the three engineers, the guys from Chevy, with Dinoi right there, um, so we've we've had to be, we've been able to experience everything, you know, from watch the pits, pit stops, and um, then see the preparation. These cars are the, well, I've never seen a space capsule, but they're as close to a space capsule I could imagine. Your presentation is just um, second to none, you know. They're just um, they're just a refined capsule. Um, but like I said before, until you've actually seen a live IndyCar race, it's just I've, I've always knew they were 
from what we saw on TV, Guy and I watch it, you know, it's um it's fast, but until you actually experience it, it's just an, it's the next level, you know. It surely is. It's unbelievable. But um we've been treated so well by the team and very proud of Scott the way that he's um managed to pull the team together and you know, that he's got the respect of everyone. So we're very proud of that fact that, you know. And you know, great great today if um our Scott didn't win, but it was it was pride for Don and I to walk up to Scott Dixon this afternoon and shake his hand and congratulate him, you know, because we had a little bit to do with him since we've been here, him and his wife Emma. But um, to see him win today was, you know, and you know, you know, see another Kiwi on, you know, equal to Mario Andretti was, man, mind blown. So um, <laughs> not all bad day really, you know. Like we went from fourth to ninth, but at least Scotty Dixon got through, you know. Yeah, I. Absolutely. I mean, you, you mentioned anyone's name in the same breath as Mario Andretti. Um, you, you're saying something pretty special. Uh, but last, uh, the last race, of course, uh, it was your time. Uh, you were able to watch uh, your own son, Scott McLaughlin, win at uh, Mid-Ohio. Um, that, I mean, that has just got to be something unbelievably special to see that. Oh, yeah, look, you know, I mean, this poll boy oh, wasn't even a tenth, you know, look, it was just unbelievable. Um, and got a good start and just kept his head. One thing about Scotty is, is the thing I'm very proud of him as far as he can keep his head in a tough situation. But um, those last 13 laps, they were, they were pretty pretty anxious, um, and uh, it was an awesome thing to see and to witness. And he, you know, obviously when we came to America and not seen each other as a family for three years, what could have been a greater gift than to see a win? And... Um, we never said nothing to. We never even mentioned it to him because we didn't want Scott any pressure or anything. But obviously he was. He sort of told the team the same thing. God, I got to get a win, you know. Well, mum and dad are here, you know. Um, so, so it was. It was sort of a bit of a hidden agenda from us, a hidden agenda or wish from him. So from you know, and for his wife Carly, you know, she's she's just been so supportive and so for a family to be there. Um, yeah, I've just. That's one thing, as I said, you know, uh, winning Bathurst, I always felt was probably an amazing thing up there with Peter Brock and the guys that have won it. But um, to win a Australian Supercar Championship three times, that was pretty exceptional. But, man, I tell you what, that mid-Ohio win, that, that capped it off, you know, for the whole team, for all the boys, you know, and for Scott, you know. And that was a well-deserved... The, 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 all these things have been at tracks that are not the easiest tracks, you know. Like this is a tough category. This is, I know Formula One's meant to be tough, but I sincerely believe this is probably tougher. You know, it's um, but yeah, what a journey, you know. Like, <laughs> you know, as a family, we just we're blown away. It's just um, I can't express how excited we are. You know, it's just um, and so appreciative. You know, it's been great. You know, but he's very lucky. He's in, he's. He, you know, like Scott. Scott's a very good driver, and he's, he's, you know, he's got a great ability, and and you know, he's been likened to a lot of, a lot of great race car drivers. But don't forget, there's 25 guys behind them at that team that are there. You know, it is a team effort, and um, also, you know, the team Penske thing. And it's a, she's a juggernaut. You know, they know what they're doing. Wayne, it's it's a hell of a dangerous activity. We know that. Um, you know, a lot of parents watch their kids play rugby. Cricket, soccer, whatever—not quite the uh, the danger element involved. How, how, have you ever got used to that? Uh, what goes through your mind during races? I mean, when he when he crashed, for instance, in in, in the Indy 500, 
How do you handle that thing as a, as a parent? You don't, and you never get used to it. Um, it's, it's a bit, to be perfectly honest, um, every time he goes out there, you know, um, they put themselves at risk. Today, I've, both Di and I were, we were pretty anxious because, you know, um, Toronto is a tough track. It's narrow. It's demanding. And these guys all, you know, there's 27, 29 of them all want to get to the front. And they all want to do it on the first lap. Um, so, you know, you do. But the cars, one thing I've learned since we've been in America and spent the time with the team and at the track and also at the factory, these cars are extremely safe. Um, they have done everything in their power to keep them as safe as what they can do. Um, heaven forbid, but at the end of the day, you're never going to take that away from Scotty. You know, he'd race a wheelbarrow if he could. So um, you just have to... You, you just have to put your hand in in your mouth and hopefully always the first couple of laps are the tough ones, you know. They're, they're always bloody hard, you know, because you get around those first couple of laps and it sort of settles a little bit. But um, there's a few things went on there today that was a little bit uncalled for and a little bit silly. Um, but, um, yeah, you, look, honestly, mate, you never get over that. You just, you know, you never know... Um, Heaven forbid it ever goes wrong, but um, all we can do is you, you, you'd always know that he's doing something that he loves. And you, like these guys, these race car drivers, they're a different breed. You know, they're they're, they're driven, they're perfectionists, they're um, meticulous. It's they're, they're just you know they're, they're certainly a different breed. That's for sure. Um, good to see him. Like we had a beer with him tonight. Good to see him relax. You know, he's a bit pissed off yeah. with himself. And um, but that I said, well, you know, hey, you didn't bend the car, you still come home in the top ten, and you know, it's you got good points, so move on, you know. Yeah, it's sitting quite nicely actually. Uh, after a, after an amazing rookie year last year, of course, this year's become even better for him. Uh, Wayne, uh, what about yeah. the the, the uh, immediate future? I mean, there was talk uh, at one stage about him wanting to returning to to Bathurst at some point. Um, how do you see the next year or two panning out for Scott? Look, I, I don't know with that. You know, with the way things have gone, um, you know, with, with COVID and with what's going on with um, and he's so he is extremely focused on his career here. And um, my personal opinion is that um, I think he needs to stay focused on on Indy, on Indy, you know, on Indy car on the category. Um, he's still still new at it, um, but you know, look, he he's keen to come home and do Bathurst. He's keen to come home and do Pukekohe. So it's just whether the planets can align. There's a lot that goes with it, you know, like it's timing and practice and time in the seat, but. Um, I know for sure he'll be home one day to do another V8. You haven't seen the last of them V8s, that's for sure, I don't think, you know. But um, no, I, I keep saying, him, I keep telling him, you know, Indy's your focus, mate, you know. So, um, and the immediate future now for, for you and Diane and the family, are you staying on now or um, are staying yeah, on to gonna... complete the season? I think there's still another seven races left, isn't there? Yeah, there's, there's, yeah, there's another... Uh, two, the next round is two races one weekend, um, and then there's um, another four rounds after that. We're staying for a couple more, and uh, and then we'll return to New Zealand 
um, and just and watch the last couple of rounds from from New Zealand. But um, it's been a great experience, man. You know, like um, just yeah, lot of bucket list stuff. You know, some of the things we've done, and the team have been just fantastic. You know? they've been outstanding. You know, so um, yeah, it was it's been um, it's been a journey. That's for sure. Never thought that a little seven-year-old guy would um, bring this kind of the joy to the country and to many family and friends and and you know, especially supporters and you know, um, great great bunch well, of guys. It's great, it's great to hear your voice, uh, Wayne. I can hear the enjoyment um, and the pride in your voice, which is absolutely fantastic. Uh, Thanks so much. Uh, please pass on our best wishes uh, to to Scott on uh, his efforts of late. Please, you know, whole country looking very closely at, at what he's doing. Uh, Wayne McLaughlin, thank you, thank you so much, uh, and continue to enjoy uh, the family reunion. It sounds great. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it, and as I say, great to see another Kiwi up here today. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, it was indeed uh, Scott Dixon's day as such, but uh, certainly Scott McLaughlin is uh, doing wonderful things in IndyCar uh, and just uh, his second year involved. A fantastic reputation already. Uh, you can hear it with the commentators as well when they're talking about him. Uh, has a lot of belief in um, his, his success to come as well. So we'll look forward to that. And now that we've uh, heard from Dad, we can uh, relate a little bit closer to it from a parent's point of view. I mean, think about that. Sun's going round the, you know, round and round. It's uh, such great breakneck speed, um, relying on everything to go right at the right time. Not just with what he's doing, but the drivers around him, the cars around him. So much at stake, and uh, I expected that answer. You never get used to it. You never ever get used to it. Amazing. Uh, Eleven nineteen here on SENZ. We'll be back shortly. Winter. He's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Lucinich going around a Robati screen. Back to Clark, he goes. <clears throat> step back after step back. Tiana oh. Clark rattles it in. 10 3 points. So the Fire have a documentary crew following them in their first season as Tiana Clark makes it 11. And that, believe it or not, was uh, the one that broke the all time record for most three pointers for Tiana Clark made by any woman. Uh, in a New Zealand professional basketball game. Uh, the Fire, who she plays for, uh, of course, she's also uh, a three-on-three Tall Ferns guard, drained an incredible 11 shots from beyond the arc in her team's 99-69 win over the mainland Puakai in uh, round three of the Tau'i'i Basketball Aotearoa. Clark scored 34 points in the game to lead her team shooting 11 of 20 overall in her three points attempts. She had nine shots from behind the arc in the second half alone. That's incredible, including six triples in the third quarter, which her team erupted for a season-high 41 points in that period. Clark says that even though uh, a good sh- it felt like a good shooting night, it was overdue for her. She said she didn't come into this game expecting to have a performance quite like that. Clark and the Fire take on uh, Northern Kahu in Tauihi Basketball Aotearoa on uh, Tuesday, this Tuesday, uh, tomorrow night, the 19th. Uh, before the hot shooting guard heads to the Birmingham Commonwealth Games uh, with the, the three-on-three tall ferns. So uh, certainly uh, getting there in good form. Uh, not good news to hear um, on the Commonwealth Games uh, theory that uh, Amelia Kerr's got COVID. Hopefully uh, she'll get over that in plenty of time. Uh, we were just talking too um, off-air about the being a parent, watching your son 
uh, and a motor racing car at breakneck speeds risking his life on a daily basis and what it would be like to be a parent well we don't uh, couldn't quite imagine it could you to be honest you, you have kids play a bit of footy a bit of cricket every now and then and uh, they cop a few injuries from time to time and you get worried about them uh but uh, that would be entirely different uh, and on the subject of uh, injuries in rugby, former Wales captain Ryan Jones said he feels like his world is falling apart after being diagnosed with early onset dementia. The 41-year-old said he had received the diagnosis in December last year with doctors telling him he was one of the worst cases they had seen. He was also uh, diagnosed with uh, probable chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Oh, say that again, encephalopathy. I think that's right. Uh, goodness me, that's a big medical term. No wonder I'm not a doctor. Uh, Jones won 75 caps for Wales and captained the side to a Six Nations Grand Slam in 2008, making his last appearance for them in 2014. He was also part of the British and Iron Lions squad that toured here back in 2005. He said, I feel like my world is falling apart and I am really scared. I live 15 years of my life like a superhero and I'm not. I don't know what the future holds. In 2020, a group of former rugby players filed a class action legal case against World Rugby and other governing bodies, alleging that their failure to protect them led to early onset of dementia. The rugby governing body has announced guidelines limiting full contact training to 15 minutes per week and launched a brain health education campaign for players. So, yeah, interesting. And we see it, don't we? We saw it again at the weekend, that head clash uh, between Andrew Porter and Brodie Retallick. It's completely accidental, but uh, it just happens. And then you talk to players, they have a different attitude to, um, you know, to, to what a lot of people have about it because uh, they just sort of expect it. It's the nature of the beast, but uh, certainly it's being legislated a, a lot more closely than it used to be. Uh, some more texts uh, have uh, come on. Fokatava and Christy are the future. Uh, Smith has to stay at men as a, a mentor. Well, I agree with that. Uh, Fokatava not really seen to his best because of the Irish f- defensive lines uh, and their their strength around the fringes. The fact that they just do not let you get past in those areas where Fokatava certainly makes uh, a big difference at Super Rugby level. And uh, Christy can feel a little bit um, hard done by as well. He's done nothing wrong. Uh, has he been um, relegated back to number three in the pecking order? Uh, read, and where does Brad Webber fit in? Read the All Black uh, versus Ireland test. Within five minutes, it was obvious nothing different from the All Black. So sadly predicted an Ireland win, but uh, I hoped it would end up with egg on my face. Not so. He said, to see the setup to defend the Irish line out five metres from the try line told me we had no confidence. Our five metre line defence was embarrassing, especially as... We had a heavier pack. By not opposing the line-out jump, we gave up the opportunity to compete. Yeah, giving away those early, that early penalty. I mean, there was two really silly penalties given away. The first one was uh, Sam Kane, of course, which gave them the opportunity to have that perfect start that they did. And the other one was uh, Bowden Barrett um, taking a player out way away from um, you know the ruck situation, which uh, caused uh, another uh, penalty and, of course, was uh, one of the reasons why uh, New Zealand's comeback was uh, curtailed at that point. Uh, hi Smithy, the Type Five did not do their job out the back, uh, out to the back line. So Cody Taylor's uh, days are numbered. He's weak as, as a hooker. Should be the guy left out from the way. Uh, should be the guy left out from Waikato um, and Cole's on the bench. Uh, and come out of it. it's about the time they put Artie back at seven. He's the best seven in the country, and he should be captain. He's now best play. Kane is not 
in the top three sevens in the country anymore and dropped the coaches as well. So Gary from Wanganui wants a real clean out. Of course, the Irish were emotional. If I'd have won something for the first time in a century, I'd certainly be crying too. Irish are just too good at present, would have beaten every country. It doesn't matter who the coaches are. We were outplayed and outpassioned and not urgent enough, especially in the first half. Another one, uh, Kevin has come in and said, uh, Smithy, you nailed it. One word, passion. One word, passion. Glenn has come in, Smithy says, uh, great win by Cam- Cameron Smith and the golf. He is a putting genius. Sad for Rory, but like the commentator said, he didn't really lose it. Cam Smith won it. Rory's putting wasn't bad. They just didn't drop. You know, I watched a, a lot of the last uh, two hours of that golf, I've got to say, and I totally agree. The lag putting from distance from Cameron Smith was unbelievably good. Unbelievably good. And he made a huge putt on the 17th, which is a hard hole, a really hard hole, uh, about a 15-footer to not uh, drop a shot and make sure that the momentum stayed there. And I think that was the final nail in the coffin of those chasing him uh, because at that point he was always going to look to at least par and maybe birdie the 18th, which he duly did. Fantastic performance from uh, Cameron Smith. Gripping, gripping television, it really was. 11.31 here on SENZ. uh, Time to catch up with uh, Araha and the news. And uh, after that, of course, it's your opportunity to call us on 0800 150 811 and try and win some booty from the TAB. Cheer. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Oh, we're up for a big one this morning here on SNZ Mornings for Stumped. Possibly by Ian Smith. Who knows? Because we're up to $150 for a TAB bonus bet, Smithy. That's why, because you did so freaking good on Friday. Are we going to keep this rolling? Can we go to 200 We can go to 200 We could get to uh, five. What's it? Two fifty. We could get to 400 by the end of the week. <laughs> 250 We could get to 400 by the end of the week. If you, uh, if you choose the subjects and the questions in my favour, but you never have to this point, so I'm not holding out too much hope. So who, who have we got lined up this morning first up? <laughs> yes, we'll see how we go. Our first up to the crease, coming from Huntley, we've got Brett. Geez, he's uh, pretty confident already, eh, Logan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can, you can sense it, eh? It's only Monday. You can imagine if he goes through the Friday. But, hey, you've got a chance, mate. You've got a chance. You know how the game works. I'll give you the categories. Uh, All Blacks versus Ireland, boxing, and American football. Take your pick. Well, we'll go to American football. Thanks, Logan. Oof, do have to wonder there's a bit of strategy behind that. Smithy would be very clued up on the All Blacks v Island, no doubt. Potentially his boxing, he loves the sweet science, he does. Uh, first question for you, Brett. Who has been awarded the NFL's most valuable player for the past two seasons? Oh, mm. last two seasons, Paddy Maher. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Yeah, Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes. Good choice, but incorrect. Smithy. Um, I'm going to say it's one of his teammates. Uh, who was the guy? That, uh, no. Um, what was this? Not. Uh, no, I got. I can't. I, I. I absolutely got no idea. So I. I won't. 
I won't say that. I'll just uh, I'll go another quarterback. Um, uh, I won't say Brady. Um, and as obvious as that, Russell Watson. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. When you started talking about going for another quarterback, and you said not Brady, I really thought you were going to say it, Smithy. Aaron Rodgers was the correct answer. Really, yeah, Rodgers. I know. Even though the Packers haven't been performing, he's still considered top dog and still is coming into this season. Would you believe it? Okay, second question for you, Brett. Brett. The LA Rams are the current Super Bowl champions. They previously won it as the St. Louis Rams. In what year did that happen? 2001. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Yeah, you'll be kicking yourself there, Brett. Trust me. I reckon it was a little bit earlier than that. I'm going to go 2000. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Right before the Y2K bug, guys, it was 1999. Oh, God. Okay. So both, both very close. So $150 TAB bonus bet still on the line for you, Brett, unless Smithy can stump you on this last one. Born in Apokokoi, David Dixon played 152 games in the NFL. Which team did he spend most of his career with? Uh, Minnesota. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. God, I love David Dixon. Smithy, would you have had that one? No, I wouldn't have got. I know. Yeah, I, I don't think I would have got the Minnesota, Minnesota Vikings. Eh? No, I don't think I would have got that. So, bugger, you chose the right category. You absolutely did that, Brett. When uh, when you chose uh, American football, so you get 150 bucks to start the week, mate. Hardiest congratulations to you. Stay on the line, and Brian will get your details. And unfortunately, uh, Brian's uh, Brent's good luck uh, and good knowledge. It means we're only playing for 50 bucks tomorrow morning. It's a shame, but we'll build it up during the week, I'm sure. It's 11.38 here on SCNZ. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. Well, I mentioned before that I'd spent a bit of time after the game on Saturday night in the company of some uh, brilliant, uh, well-performed All Blacks uh, from over a long period of time, and uh, a lot of them were, were hurting. Um, and uh, dismayed, actually, as to what they're seeing at the moment. One of whom uh, is uh, Justin Marshall, of course, uh, wears his heart on his sleeve, uh, really cares about it, and uh, he was uh, on uh, the rugby run yesterday with Ricardo Ball and uh, had this to say. We're two years in after some sketchy performances where the New Zealand Rugby Union, they have to take responsibility for this, Ricardo. They, They had a basically ultimatum meeting where... Ian Foster was up for review because they obviously did that little two-year, we'll have a look, and then go from there. And they still thought that everything was okay. Mm. And they also appointed him. So, you know, there's a massive responsibility that also falls on who's governing the All Blacks as well as who is coaching them. Because somewhere the process is broken down. Now, this is difficult for me to say. Ian Foster... Is a bloody good bloke. I don't know if you've known him um, at all, Ricardo, bumped into him, spoken to him, but you couldn't actually meet a nicer guy. Uh, and people go, yeah, but nice guys don't often get the job done. Well, that, that's not relevant in my mind. Like, 
a nice guy is a guy that will speak to you, will open um, up, and when you ask him questions, he'll answer them. Um, the, pop, the problem with, with uh, the, the situation as it is at the moment is he's, gonna, he's falling on the sword simply because all of what's happening around him has led him to this equation, which was obviously the backing of the New Zealand Rugby Football Union and also the selectors. Like, if you're a coach, yeah, you've got to pick your players that ultimately, if you don't get it right, it's your responsibility. But the All Black selectors, of there's, there's players that are in that team that probably shouldn't be there. Now, that's a big statement, I know. But I, I did, and I many people you would know who called in to talk back weren't utterly convinced about the players that were put in that side hmm. and that Ian Foster was trusting to be All Blacks and to go out there and win us a Test Series against Ireland and therefore move on and win us a World Cup. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of factors at play in the whole equation and the biggest problem is all of them are off, off, offline. Everything at the moment isn't lining up and that is a real worry because it makes me wonder... Well, how the hell are we going to get them all in sync? Yeah, real concern there in uh, the voice you could hear of uh, Justin Marshall there, um, echoed by um, uh, other former All Blacks as well who were reflecting uh, on that performance uh, over the weekend, as you have continued to do throughout the morning with your texts and uh, some more to read out uh, now. Uh, Rick from Taupo uh, has said poor execution is one thing that uh, that can vary, but what's concerning is the game plan. Last year we bagged South Africa for their neg- negativity, yet first good ball off a set piece and good field position, Barris hoists up and up and under, that was diffused. We had four games to look at and unlock the Irish before Saturday's decider, yet we came up with absolutely nothing. It was individual brilliance that got us close in the second half, not a team effort. Why are we not playing and backing our skill sets anymore inside our half and moving the opposition around and break down their structures? Instead, we play into their hands as our set piece is not gaining parity. Uh, good observations there, there Rick. Uh, last week, Sam Whitelock uh, had head concussion, this, head concussion. This week, he could play. What happened to the three-week stand-down, Brian? There's so many issues uh, around this. I would have thought it was pretty much in black and white, but quite clearly it, it isn't to the point where I don't know what's what what uh, what goes on and the inconsistencies from uh, one point to the next. I mean, uh, really, that the very first game where the Irish prop, whose name just uh, eludes me at the moment, uh, came clearly came off uh, with a head problem and went straight back on the field. I mean, uh, I, I don't quite work out how, how that happened either, but. It just seems to happen. Um, uh, it's because the referees are not doctors; they rely on uh, the word of the doctors. Uh, and if uh, you know, if they're unsure, they don't get the right vision. They don't get the right replay. Uh, quite often, nothing, nothing seems t- to happen. With, sorry, Jeremy Lohm, was it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I remember that now. Um, in the Aussie test, there was a Karevi tackle, which was clear head on head, but not yellow carded or even looked at. Seems bizarre. So there's another example of what I've just been saying. Uh, we know uh, Smith, uh, Joe Smith is coming in. He will have a fresh perspective on the team. Could see the team squad quite different from uh, for South Africa. I wonder if giving Foster that series with them, uh, with him, there to help is the last shot. Um, I think it, there'll be something like that. There will be something like that. The new coach has to be given to after the 2027 World Cup. Is haven't got much time to fix this mess, uh, says Brian. Why is Joe Smith the answer? 
uh, is playing like Ireland two years ago, going to beat Ireland, uh, playing like Ireland two years ago, going to beat Ireland. We beat Schmidt's team at the last World Cup, so did Japan. Um, with Schmidt as an assistant and advisor with uh, Razor and Leon, yeah, so uh, Razor Robertson, Leon McDonald as head coach and assistant coach. So uh, that texter would be happy to see Joe Schmidt there as an advisor. Brian says, uh, Smithy, it wasn't that long ago when New Zealand Union handed out 26 application f- forms for the all-black job. The rest of the world picked up our best coaches and we were left with Ian Foster, uh, who no one else wanted. The judge uh, The judge said to the all-blacks, you take Foster, you don't beat him. So there you go. I feel this is a culmination of the Hanson and Chu era. Foster and Kane were appointed uh, by Hanson. Uh, Chu drove NZ Rugby into a corner with Super Rugby, NPC, and giving Hans an absolute rule over the All Blacks and the players. 2017 is where this started. Foster and Kane are good men, but aren't the men to bring forward change. They have brought continuity, and with that, the world has caught up and passed us. Norlene Tauroa showed that uh, change can happen quickly if we are bold and innovate uh, how we select and play our players. Uh, Smithy, uh, Mike from Omaru. The, the only point of difference I would have with the rugby reporter is in Fiji, and that, of course, was our first uh, uh, interview of the day, Jamie Wall. If Joe Smith got the All Black job, you could say Razor would be off overseas. Yeah, um, and uh, there is big money over there, and uh, there was a school of thought that uh, had Eddie Jones's England lost to Australia at the weekend, then that might have been an opportunity for England to pick up uh, Scott Robertson. Of course they didn't. Eddie Jones will remain safe in his job, you would expect. Picking the right players in their current positions, says Brendan, would help instead of trying to fit them in and just pick the best 15. Our best hooker wasn't in the playing 23. Big Carl shouldn't have been selected. De Groot should have Adi as our captain and our seven. Big body, hard-running sixes and eights. A goal-kicking ten. Stop putting um, Rico at uh, 13. He's, he's not a centre. He doesn't pass or defend well, and please keep Jordy, uh, Will Jordan at 15. So there's uh, another example of uh, what Brendan, the other, um, other Brendan has come in and said, you're kidding me, Foster's uh, job is the All Blacks, not super rugby, not super rugby, uh, pertaining to an earlier uh, statement earlier on. Uh, Amit has come in and said, hey, Smithy, here's a stat for you. In 160 minutes of rugby, second and third test, not once were the All Blacks ahead of Ireland on the scoreboard. Not once! When was the last time that happened? Thank you so much, everyone, for your text this morning. Uh, We'll catch up with Staffy very shortly and see what midday madness is about today. I reckon I can guess. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.